Good afternoon and welcome to the Women's Show. I'm Deb Anderson here with you until 2 o'clock with the finest of music performed by women. And I must say, this is the first time I've talked to a Grammy Award woman uh, winner here on Sweethearts and Badasses of America and Beyond. I've been playing the music from Danae Xanthi Vlas here uh, from her award-winning, uh, Grammy-winning uh, album called Mythologies. And we listened to a piano solo with uh, Danae playing piano called Metamorphosis from Mythologies. And the Grammy that she won was the best uh, classical solo vocal album. And Danae, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello, Deb. It's lovely to speak with you. Well, it's great to speak with you, too. And um, I've been just reading about all the things that you've accomplished in your career uh, and this is certainly a high point for you to win the Grammy for the best classical solo vocal album with mythologies and um, I mean it's just such an honor to have you on the show oh well thank you so much I'm so happy to be here and uh, yeah thank you for playing that extraordinarily long track <laughs> it's the longest the longest piece on the album and it is actually a vocal album. Most of the mm -hmm. tracks are vocal, and this is one of the two exceptions. There were only two on which there were no vocals, but I had the incredible good fortune of discovering two really remarkable colleagues within about six months mm. of each other in 2017 and absolutely fell in love with their voices. So these two sopranos are the two who were singing on this project and who won the Grammy with mm. me. Sopranos Hila Plitman and Sangeeta Kaur. Mm. They're and truly my, my best friends. Well, and I in the awards acceptance, uh, uh, Sanjia um, mentioned that... Sangeeta? It, yes, you mentioned that uh, this pr album was made out of love of friendship between mm -hmm. the three of you i mean um it's extraordinary uh what what you have done with uh with mythologies um how have you brought together all these extraordinary talented musicians with and you you are the composer of the music and um so you're the one who made this project happen um now you it's a it really brings a lot of world music together and I, that must be part of because you are part French and part Greek that's right I'm half French and half Greek this album was born out of a desire to bring equilibrium to my work the previous album had been to honor my mother mm. my previous album is called poem and it's my collection of French art songs so just voice and piano, no other instruments, very pure, very stripped down, very mm -hmm. simple. And on that album, there were mostly tracks with one soprano, Hila Plitman, who initiated the whole project. And where I needed two voices, I brought in Sangeeta Kaur. So that was actually the first project that the three of us did in tandem. Mm. And that was really honoring my French half. I was born in the south of France in a city called Bordeaux, which is very famous for its wine. Mm. That's and fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a really beautiful. It still is. In fact, it's, it's probably a more beautiful city today than when I was born there. The whole port region has been um, 
renovated and the city is much, much more touristic than ever it was. Mm. And it's quite a large city with a very, very beautiful historic downtown that, according to many people, is um, not as extensive but as beautiful as Paris. Of course, it doesn't have the monuments of Paris. It doesn't have the museums and the monuments. But as far as French cities go, it's definitely a very beautiful one. And how, how how could you leave a place like that? <laughs> well, um, my my father's story is is the story I'm going to dovetail into because that's how we get to my coming to America mm. and why the mythologies album was born. My parents met in France. I was born in France, but my father's journey is very much one of the American dream. He was born on the island of Ithaca in Greece, the son of a fisherman, and his grandfather was a was a trader and a fisherman as well. And this little island was really quite remote at the time my father was, was born there, it was 1933. And there was one boat per week, one big boat that would come per week to bring supplies from the mainland, which was hours and hours away, six or seven hours of boat. And the villagers who lived where my father was born in Vassy were really used to subsisting on their own work, their own land, what they had planted. There was an even more remote village called Vassy, further higher in the village, and people were sort of divided. The fishermen lived in the base of the of the bay. And then in Anoyi, people lived off the land. They planted wheat and they grew what they could on the steep hillsides of Ithaca. They had goats. They tended their flocks. And it was really the bucolic lifestyle that had existed on this island for millennia. And the Industrial Revolution was late to come and the 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 boating industry developed slowly into a big more commercial space so my father really was born among fishermen and farmers but he excelled in school there was one little schoolhouse in the village and all grades were combined and the older kids taught the younger ones and at some point in his early teenage years the decision was made that my father's ability to excel in school and his desire to study the sciences meant he needed a more complete education with more possibilities. So he and his father came to America where there had been one prior family member who had emigrated to the Pennsylvania mountain region around um, a certain region of Pennsylvania. So my father came as a 14-year-old and began oh. high school in America. Oh, wow. And he had, of course, the language barrier and uh, somehow made it work between what education he had had and what he, he desired. He made, it, he made it possible to come and go through high school in America and graduate and went to college uh, somewhere after his undergraduate degree he enlisted in the military and served for several years Uh, he was for some time he lived in Australia as well 
I can't remember why, but he, he found his way back to America, and thanks to the GI Bill, he was able to continue his education and pursue science more seriously. So there he did masters and PhDs in physics and chemistry and graduated and went on to postdoctorate work and taught. He was in uh, very prestigious universities. Um, I think he ended up teaching at Brown before he left for France, where the French government actually recruited him to come work for their equivalent of the National Science Foundation. And he was in France for a decade. He met my mother, my brothers and I were born. But he never let go of his his American dream and his desire to return to America. So when he was given the opportunity, he came back and brought the whole family this time. That's how I came. Ah. And in the end, my father had a really beautiful career working for NASA. Wow. So So that's... (laughs) <laughs> That's that, how I came to America. Well, that, wow. Well, you know, there was an interview that you did that you were talking about the similarities between a great hero's journey, which is what uh, mythologies is about uh, Odysseus, and uh, the American dream. So that must be where they come together. Yes, it is. And so after I had done this album called Poem. I thought, okay, I need to do something. I already knew I was doing mythologies. I was actually doing them in tandem. But there was a certain urgency, especially when the the pandemic came. I knew that I needed to focus my attention and the time of the pandemic, creating something that I had already begun and that I wanted to complete. And so this was the mythologies project that honors my father's path and that tells among others that's more focused perhaps on the story of as you said king odysseus odysseus was the hero of homer's odyssey Mm -hmm. and he was the king of my father's island ithaca and of course we're talking about ancient history we're talking about uh, 11th century bc so it's uh, already a 3000 year old tale and it became so immortalized and such a pivotal cornerstone of Western culture that everyone grows up reading about Homer's Odyssey and knowing these heroes, in particular King Odysseus. So this is just my way of musically referencing aspects of mythology from ancient Greece that I found inspiring or for which there was a kernel of story that I wanted to tell. Mm. The piece that's probably the most removed from that is the one with which you began the show, uh, Metamorphosis, is an aspect of mythology which is a more academic perspective. Metamorphosis was written as a really extraordinary tome of of poetry by an a poet in the ninth century who looked back on the history of the known world and in 15 books of poetic verse Mm. compiled 250 myths in his writing and this poet's called Ovid and to this day it remains this very epic poet poet's work what's important is the way that he catalogued mythology And he took myths by subject matter and gave them an order, cataloging them not just by 
their historical dates, but really by their subjects as well. Mm. And so what's really fascinating for scholars is we can look at all the poetry that talks about birds, and we see the evolution in all the known poetry of the day, categorized chronologically by Ovid. And I thought it was such a remarkable process. Mm. And of course, I'm not the only one inspired by this. Many others have done as much, have been inspired musically or poetically or even visually by Ovid. So I did a version of this in my piece, which is partly why it's so long. Oh, okay. The idea was to catalog, in my own way, the evolution of mythology in a parallel that's musical. So in myth, we know that each culture imprints their perspectives, their ideals on every story that's told. And I wanted to do the same thing musically. So I took a text that was actually described or prescribed by the commissioner of this piece. And it was a musical concept from buried inside a Telemann cantata and these two musical themes are evolved in my piece Metamorphosis following first of course the Baroque style of Telemann and gradually these pieces or these these themes are transported through the ages musically from the Baroque style through the classical style into the classical era then Impressionism and a more 20th century sound piece by piece. Hmm. I didn't reach the avant-garde because that would not have (laughs) suited the commissioner of the piece nor my own creative predilections. Mm -hmm. But the evolution of these two themes in tandem, each one represented in somewhere between 30 seconds and a minute of of musical chunk, uh, ended up being a very, very long piano work. But I felt as though it was a worthy parallel of what Ovid had done with 15 books, 250 myths, cataloging the history of of written word in his day. And this was my version musically. Oh, wow. I'm so glad you explained what that that beginning piece was. Uh, And it's the perfect way to start this interview with you and talking about your Grammy award-winning album mythologies and by the way i'm talking danny zanith vlas eh vlas eh thank you <laughs> yes no it's not easy oh well you know i've been you've done so many interviews uh Dane. um this has been such a, an amazing album um and um we're going to probably take a break here and get back into more music um because there's so many wonderful pieces on here and of course the one that really caught my attention because it was first of all the first piece uh, on the album called Sirens you also uh, end the album with a somatic version of Sirens Um, and that really highlights your two sopranos vocals and he also did a video for Sirens which is mind blowing how (laughs) visually stunning it is Oh, thank you so much. Yes, we made only one video for this album because making Sirens was was such a feat. And yeah. uh, we felt as though it would, it would speak for itself and represent the album with only one video. Yes, it's an epic long video. Epic. It's, it's rare to see a music video that's over 12 minutes in length. 
But the piece itself was quite long, and I felt I really wanted to honor the music. So I was working with very, very wonderful, understanding and accommodating uh, video teams, both here in America and uh, abroad, to mm-hmm. make this happen. Well, it is as just a masterpiece uh, that really puts visually uh, what what you're trying to part of what you're trying to accomplish with mythologies. And I'm so glad that you were honored with such a great award for this piece because you brought together just an incredible group of musicians. I mean, uh, first of all, your two sopranos, which you uh, mentioned earlier, but you also have a percussionist, a flute player, several pianists. Um, and your producer is also a, per- a percussionist, Emilio De Miller. Emilio Miller, that's right. Absolute gem. I, I love Emilio, and uh, we are continuing to work together, yes. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about where you're going to go from here. I mean, where do you go from here after you've won a Grammy? And by the way, before <laughs> we get into uh, get into our, our little halftime break, because this is going to be a longer interview because your pieces are quite lengthy and plus you this is such an interesting story um what is it like how has your life changed since you won a grammy award danith it's a deep honor it's really really fulfilling to have the recognition of your peers at that level and i know as you just said where do you go from here after you win a grammy i know that it sets expectations and a and a benchmark for my work which I'm actually very excited about. So my life has changed in that first I feel as though I have nothing really to prove anymore in in my professional path except to myself and uh, to continue to honor the people with whom I work by elevating all of us to whatever dreams we may conceive of. So beyond this point it feels as though much more is possible which really means anything is possible mm-hmm. and i'm thinking in terms of bolder projects bigger productions oh great how uh, oh, exciting more exotic more exotic <laughs> well i hope you're going to do mythologies the second <laughs> kind of your follow-up i hope that's kind of what's you're on your radar there it's it's what I'm hinting, absolutely. It's what I'm hinting at. It's going to take a couple of years, but absolutely, I'm I'm writing already. Oh, I'm sure you've been busy writing. You're you're such an amazing composer, and you you played you started playing piano when you were very young, weren't you? Yes, almost before I formed my first memories. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, well, but but it's interesting you played piano but then all of a sudden you decided you wanted to write your own music yes it was actually a a desire i kept for a long time without really doing anything about it i remember wanting to write music and trying to write music as a child when i was a piano student and because my teacher was not a composer she was a lovely amazing beautiful woman who offered incredible training pianistically but she herself was not a composer and didn't really know how to nurture that instinct Mm. so i would show her what i had written and all she would see was all the mistakes on the page (laughs) (laughs) and the disconnect between what i had attempted to write and what i was representing when i played my piece (laughs) and i think she was um just absolutely doing the best she could 
and just didn't nurture that particular aspect of my work because she was focused on preparing me for performance deadlines and competitions and we had quote serious repertoire to put in my fingers Mm. so I didn't really come back to composition until I was in college and there surrounded by the incredible bath of beauty of choral music and everyone else, all my friends in practice rooms playing great composers, I was somehow, as as much as I was working and I was working full-time and in school full-time, I still found inspiration to doodle and write a few things occasionally. But once again, I was in a performance program, not a composition program. And so, uh, again... I found myself not particularly pushed. I had encouragement from my friends, but the the faculty were hyper-focused. Of course, they needed to be to keep me on a path to graduate. So I then returned to composition when I was in my mid-20s after my um, collegiate studies. And I think I was doing it as my own personal therapy, just Mm. personal expression, Mm -hmm. sitting at the piano thinking, I really like this. Gosh, I want to play this again. Maybe I should write it down. Mm -hmm. So there was mostly just writing for me. Occasionally I would find a piece coming through my fingers that would be of an easier level and I would want to teach it to my students. I also had advanced students who wanted to play original work and I had students in competitions who wanted to play pieces that would fulfill the requirements of contests which often prescribes stylistic demands on the performers. So pieces of, let's say they would be forced to play a classical sonata, and then they would be forced to play something from an impressionistic composer, Debussy, for example. And then they also had to fulfill a 20th or contemporary, 20th century or contemporary requirement. And for that, my students wanted to play music by a living composer and why not the music of their teacher while they were doing so. Mm-hmm. So I had some of my advanced pieces played by my own students. It just was a very natural evolution. And by this stage, I was beginning to interact. I was living in LA. I was beginning to interact with professional musicians around me who would hear my pieces and say, gosh, I actually really, really like that. I think I'd like to program it. Hmm. So I I went from thinking of myself as a pianist to gradually shifting into thinking of myself as a composer, but that was a very long process. Wow. And having it performed, having my pieces played by professional musicians is really what began defining that for me as I started to shift my, my thinking about who I was. So now I spend the majority of my days composing. Well, a lot of different uh, musicians have played your compositions. Uh, Nadia Shepa Chankoka. That is really a mouthful. Nadia <laughs> yes, it is. Nadia Spashenko, beautiful, beautiful pianist. Yes. And and many others. And and you are, have your pieces commissioned, and that you're always looking to uh, go out and, and perform live. By the way, I'm speaking to Dane Xanthi uh, Vlasi, uh, brand new album, 2022 winner of the Grammy for the best classical solo vocal album. Dane, we're going to take a little break, 
because uh, it is a long interview, and come back. And I'm going to come back with uh, Sirens and play that piece. And then maybe you could talk a little about uh, your two wonderful sopranos who sing on that and where, where the genesis of that particular piece came from, which is obviously part of the whole mythology story that you have um, put together on this wonderful album. And then kind of wind it up possibly with uh, our last piece that uh, we want to go out with. It's uh, kind of a, it's a, an instrumental with Lily Hyden on violin and Eero Matsumoto on cello and Robert Thies on yeah. piano. Um, yes. Such a variety of music on mythologies. You, you have vocal work, you have instrumentals, you have piano, solo piano. Um, and that was a conscious choice on your part. It was. Of course, I was writing some of this during the pandemic, so I needed to keep things in a chamber music setting. But it's also for practical reasons, because I wanted music to be performed. Mm. And having a, a chamber ensemble is always an easier way to get things performed than to reach for a larger group. Oh, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Well, let's take a little break and come back with Sirens. And I'm talking to Dene uh, Zanith Vlasi, uh, brand new album Mythologies, here on Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond. And this is certainly beyond that for sure, <laughs> uh, no doubt. Dene, thank you so much. Uh, just just stay on board. Don't jump ship here. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> and we'll be back in a couple minutes with the song Sirens. And I would love just to hear you talk about that because visually it is stunning. Uh, 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 acoustically, it, it's just mind-blowing. So I I mean, as soon as I heard this song, I said, I've got to talk to this woman. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love this music. So we'll be right back with Dana here on The Women's Show. Beautiful sirens from the mythologies album uh, performed, uh, composed, and pianist Dene Zanith Vlase. Dene, are you still with us? I am. Oh, that is such a gorgeous piece. We've only got a couple minutes uh, left here, but just tell me about who performed on that and their their voices. Are, it's so incredible. Our sirens here are Hila Plitman and Sangeeta Kar. Yes, they are incredible, incredible voices. They're muses to me as a composer. And what they represent in this myth is what made the sirens so infamous, the fact that they're incredibly deadly creatures. Ah. In Greek mythology, only two heroes that, that are, are mentioned ever survived hearing the sirens call. And as much as I could have gone the direction of telling the story of Jason and the Argonauts or telling the story of... King Odysseus, filling his, his sailors' ears with wax and tying himself to the mast of his ship so that they could pass by this island of the mermaids and, and hear their call without being drawn into the, the deadly shallow waters and, and drowning. Mm. But I felt more compelled to tell the story of why the sirens are famous, which is that no one survives hearing their call. Mm. And... It's partly because they were cursed, and anyone who heard their songs without dying, uh, if such a such a feat were possible, the mermaid who sang had to commit suicide. So there's this tragic quality to the way they sing because it's a, 
an act of self-preservation that forces them to be murderous creatures. Oh my (laughs) goodness. I felt it was much more compelling to see the story from both their perspective, which is one of survival, and, and what makes them infamous in history. Oh, gosh. And, and the video. You must must watch the video for Sirens. Because where did you find these real mermaids at? I mean, they're the real deal. Right, exactly. They are, they are real mermaids. They are professional mermaids. These oh, are yes. swimmers, uh, women who have learned and taught themselves how to swim. And they have the endurance of Olympic athletes. Oh. They swim in this very unique way. They make their own tails, and they've devoted their lives to ocean preservation. So that's oh. also what's behind the story for me with regards to the, the sirens. It's a cautionary tale about respecting the elements and um, knowing that mankind against the elements does not win. Oh, my goodness. This is so great. I wish I had so much more time to talk to you. Danae Zanith Blase, uh, brand new album, Grammy Award winning, uh, best classical solo vocal album called Mythologies. And we heard several selections in the background. We're listening to Anepetheth, uh, which is instrumental. Ah, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, Nepenthe was the, was the drug given by the gods to allow man to forget his ills. So the piece is a journey from sorrow into hope. Oh, gosh. Um, let me just mention, this is KZM Lincoln and KZM HD. And who plays on this piece? Which, which I, I already am familiar with Lily Hyden, who I love her work. Uh, Lily Hyden is the violinist. Eru Matsumoto is the cellist who opens the piece. And the pianist is my fabulous friend and dear, dear colleague, Robert Thies. Mm. Well delicious, delectable, and wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I love your work. Uh, Danae Zanith Vlas, thank you so much. And how can people get a hold of you? Your website, uh, where they can get your my music, website. all that stuff. Yes. My music is on all streaming platforms, and the best way to reach me is through the contact page on my website. It's my first name and last name, D-A-N-A-E-V-L-A-S-S-E.com. Wonderful. And thank you so much. Uh, when you do the sequel to this, <laughs> let's mm-hmm. talk again. Because I'd Happily. like to know where, well, even if you don't do it, whatever, whatever your next project is, um, I would love to talk to you about it and find out what, what inspiration, what's inspired you, where, um, I'm where you go from doing so much wonderful work that you've done so far and and on these on your website you'll find out if you're touring are you going to be playing out uh, live anywhere yeah. yeah there will be concerts coming up starting in about four to six months oh that's great i know you had a tough time with the pandemic so i'm so glad you're able to get out there and and do your music uh to the world and it is the thank world you, that is Dad. listening to what you are doing thank you again uh, for being on the women's show uh danae xanthia vlasi and we will talk to you soon thank you so much it was a pleasure absolutely a pleasure thank you bye-bye